scatters. Fox scatters. Fox Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 93. Nobody's killed it, it's just very, very sick. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. Now, are we going with the holiday thing, or are we going to admit that that was just an elaborate ruse to throw Dishy off the track? Uh, well, now that you've ruined it... Mm, to throw Dishy off the track that Brett and I are the same person. Yeah, now, now, that, now that you've ruined it as, as a ruse, mm. clearly... Uh, Clearly, we'll have to go with the holiday thing and just... No, it was really a ruse. Okay. Mm. It, yeah, it, was. it was a ruse. Actually... Hey, uh, speaking of my holiday, I, uh, <laughs> I we can't go any further without saying... Hang, hang, hang on. No, 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 no. This, this is important. Okay. So uh, fantastic and easy to travel with my crumpler bag, <laughs> which... Uh, which the, the complete seed, which makes travelling a breeze. Perfect for carry-on luggage. It Thanks. is. Actually, I happen to be living in I my bees' I don't even know knees. who you are. Hang on a second. <laughs> Thanks for that unprompted uh, display mm. of, of affection for, for your bag. Oh, it's a, it, it is a fantastic bag. I highly recommend anybody who needs a bag going out and getting one to take care of all their bag needs. Crumpler, of course, giveaway sponsors of this program. Stay, Jim Wright, stay tuned. You might win one. Mr. Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. That's about bloody time, isn't I'm, it? I'm a bit husky, and yes, it's beyond time. <laughs> a bit husky. Yes. A, a, yeah, I've got a bit of a dry cough. It's going around at the moment. And well, don't give it to me. No, I'm, I'm not breathing out as I speak to you. That's exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Coming up later on on Box Cutters, we have the wonderful Box Cutters European correspondent, James Talia, calling through. Very busy of late. With Very busy. The- with lots of shenanigans worldwide. Yeah, is, what with terrorism and the like. Is mm. he officially wonderful now? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's officially Excellent. wonderful. Cool. You, you've just been uh, upgraded to Mr. <laughs> and, uh, and James has, has gone to wonderful. Uh, we've also got a very special Ray Watch. We're going to talk about the Gerald Stone book, Who Killed Channel 9. Could anyone have guessed that we were going to talk about that? No. <laughs> no, what a shocking surprise. We've also got Golden Age of Television. I've got the envelope right there. <gasps> We've got some quotes, some pork, but as always, to kick things off, here's the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. It's all over, listeners. Channel 7 have won the ratings race for 2007. Well, hang on a second. We are, we, we've just finished week 18 yes. of the ratings season. Yes, of a 40-week uh, year. Right, so this is, so clearly it's not first past the post. It's, it's got to be whoever declares themselves winners first are the winners. Channel 7 haven't declared themselves. Advertising buyers and analysts have unanimously awarded the year to Channel 7. Saying it has an unbeatable lead. So Channel just Seven had weeks in. Channel Seven had nothing to do with this. Uh, no, there wasn't any prodding from the Seven Network. No, really. Uh huh. Really. Uh huh. And uh, uh, you, well, you know well, what? You know, this is off the back of Channel Nine winning their second week for the year last week. Um, and when they're that few and far between, I think you can say. I'm, sh- oh. I'm sure if James was on the uh, was was on the. Uh, 
was on the phone right now, I'm not he'd say, ask him about it. He, no, I don't think you should. No, but he'd uh, he'd say the second of many. <laughs> that's that's what he'd say. The, yeah, uh, but not the second of twenty four. The thing is, haven't uh, haven't Channel Seven really kind of blown their load already? If if as as we've heard is correct, they don't have a second season of Star Dancers coming up later in the year. No, I believe they do. There were whispers last week about who were going to be the dancers. Because there were whispers the week before about there not being yes. a, sec- a second yeah, season. Yeah, but no, there's lots of speculation about uh, who's going to be the dancers. They're not sure yet about the second season of uh, of Australia's Got Grammatically Incorrect Talent. Uh, they are holding auditions for that. Right. They're, they're looking at showing a couple Although- of shows straight on... Uh, on with their US screening dates, uh, they're looking at Prison Break, which doesn't rate for them very well anyway, and Heroes, which rates middlingly for them, I guess. Yeah, rate, rates are alright, doesn't beat House. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Heroes, Heroes has ended. Lost is about to end. Uh, I, I just, I just wonder. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I just wonder. Mm. If, no, uh, don't take it from me. Take it from the unanimous voice of analysts and advertising buyers. When, when nine claimed last year that they had won the year when they actually had won the year channel 7 kicked up a huge fuss and said well technically we might still have more audience members over the over the whole ratings period even if we don't win as many weeks and channel 9 went well bad luck we've won but yeah. channel 9 channel 7 were going uh, uh, and now we have this convenient report that doesn't come from anything to do with channel 7 but is the media bias Maybe Channel 9 shouldn't have uh, started um, such a bitter precedent. <laughs> by by we, winning they, the they ratings were... for 20 years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years. Shame, shame on them! In fact, uh, it's uh, the first year that Channel 9 will lose for... Oh, I thought it was in this article. I think it's like 28 years mm. um, for the first time since the late 70s. Yep. Yep. So, uh, p- pretty much Kerry Packer in his... Uh, in his reign over Channel 9, lost the ratings once. I think he took over uh, Channel 9 in 74 or something like that. Mid-70s? Yes. Yes. He lost the ratings once and then never again. Speaking of Channel 9, Channel 9 has had to let go Gerard Donaghy. Who is Gerard Donaghy, you might ask? Hang on, wait, 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 wait. Who's Jared Donaghy, Ross? Well, he's the uh, the cabbie who shot to fame on Enough Rope uh, twelve to eighteen months ago. One of the three. One of the three, and the one he was the one who was snapped up by Channel Nine. Uh, Put on a twenty thousand dollar retainer for twelve months. Yeah, uh, to me, this is just this just symbolises everything that was wrong with Eddie Maguire being CEO of Channel Nine. He he snapped him up. He had no idea of what he was going to do. With him on air, and but as a result, look at, the look cabbie- at how handy he was. <laughs> he, <laughs> he did, did nothing. He, he did an extra piece, a piece for extra on Channel Nine. What's and extra? He, and he yeah, did what's, what's extra? And he did a piece on school this week. It was fantastic. <laughs> what's extra? Well worth twenty grand. <laughs> what what is extra? I don't know. Oh, it, I think like it's like a, postcards, like a Queensland show or something. Right? Yeah, um, actually, it probably is. Uh, he's meant to be cost cutting, <laughs> like. <laughs> And I'm sure he had a driver anyway. I mean, why go and hire put a, put somebody on a twenty thousand dollar retainer for, for no reason? Well, he didn't actually do anything. He was still just a cabbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, 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 was, he wasn't driving Eddie around anywhere. So he was driving his cab and just earning twenty grand for nothing. Yeah. What? And so, they've let him to, go to not work for any of the other networks. 
Right, which clearly they were snapping at his heels. Uh-huh. Because with that 20 grand, oh, clearly a bidding war. I hear he's got a uh, talk show pilot for Channel 7 coming up. <laughs> Speaking of which, Ross. Uh, poor Naomi, she can't take a trick. Uh, possibly. I think she might have to later on. In her <laughs> Did I say that? Possibly on the back of uh, suggestions from box cutters, but maybe not as well. Uh Naomi was told that uh, her pilot at Channel 7 was going to be put on ice. Uh, We discussed it as the it's not you, it's me scenario. So she thought, well, I'm going to go and take it to Channel 9. Clearly, Channel 9, desperate (laughs) for any kind of show that they can put on during the day. Uh, And apparently, allegedly, Channel 9 said, no, thanks. We'd prefer to show the test pattern. (laughs) Nice one. Mm, nice so, one, uh, I mean, they, they're desperate on Channel 9 for anything during the day. And Naomi, they're just not interested. Well, well it's it, definitely it not seems... the time to be signing up for new stuff with Channel 9 while CVC are in there just cutting out any possible fat. Well, mm. it's, it seems like Channel 9 are pretty much desperate for, for anything they can get their hands on. Like, they, they really are. Because the man who would never go back to Channel 9 under any circumstances, Steve Liebman... Ah. Now, how did he finish up last time? Why did he leave? Why, what happened there? They they sacked him off today. Oh, they sacked him. They they sacked him off today because he was doing too many terrorism ads. Yeah, yeah. So they now he's doing those Foxtel ads, and I find them creepy. They are he's, creepy. he's got his cup of coffee and he's going, "Hi, I'm Steve Liebman. <laughs> you might want to consider Foxtel." And I'm thinking, I'm alert and alarmed by this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he uh, he's been hosting the uh, on the Crime Channel. On uh, Foxtel, he's been hosting a show called Crime Investigation Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Channel 9 have just bought the rights to show that on free-to-air. So right. Liebman, through a back door, mm. returning to Channel 9. Mm. Possibly, you know, could be mistaken as a Channel 9 personality. Mm. Does he actually appear on camera, or is it just all voiceover work? No, no, because they might revoice it like Mike Goldman does those uh, Meerkat Manor <laughs> documentaries. They might get somebody else to revoice it. I thought they got Mike Goldman to do that because he's the Australian personality most like a meerkat. Oh, quite possibly, because it was Billy Nye, I think. Oh, Bill Nye was the what a original. Was Hang the on. original voice See, of, the, of the meerkat? Someone and with meerkat a voice. Manor. Someone with a voice as great as Bill Nye's. Mm-hmm. No, let's get rid of that. And put squeaky old Mike Goldman in there. Yep. I mean, I, I'm, so. no, I'm no one to be calling somebody else's voice squeaky. But <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not doing voiceovers for, for documentaries. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Bill Nye is such a great actor, such a great voice. Mm. That's why I never watched Meerkat Manor. Mm. That's why. All right. Brett, what have you got? Three months after receiving the report that she commissioned into reality television roles, Communications Minister... Senator Helen Coonan refuses Wait, to... what's her real name, Brett? Coonan. <laughs> Coonan. That's better. Bird the sky. Coonan, the talking parrot. She refuses to discuss the findings. What? Why? Because she's very busy, a spokesperson said yesterday. Yes. She, uh, Senator she's, Coonan... she's had to do the washing up. She's had to go shops. She's had to collect the kids from school. A spokesperson said... Senator Coonan has been held up on releasing the findings because of her workload and because the report is long. 
She's looking at it very closely, they added. Um, ACMA was given a deadline of April 1st this year to deliver its findings um, after the infamous turkey slap incident. Are we going to get another press release saying... Okay, we admit it. She can't read. <laughs> How is she supposed to get her head around the intricacies of the Australian communications system? Television, radio, phone, internet. If she can't get through a document. <laughs> well, a, a long document. A long document. You, you know what? There are people in Hollywood whose job it is to read long documents and summarise them well. Mm. Why doesn't she hire one of those? And and then spend the rest of her time trying to work out how the internet works. Because nobody's <laughs> nobody else is allowed to read it. Maybe she should have told ACMA, said it, given it back to ACMA on April 2nd saying, okay, give me a pricey. And uh, <laughs> I suspect that uh, it doesn't actually attack Big Brother enough or reality TV generally enough. Um, and uh, given... Big Brother's viewer figures this year. Maybe she just wants it to uh, blow over and everybody to forget about it and forget about Big Brother. I have a feeling that she's going to she's gonna finish reading this. She's going to get out her red pen. Her only comments are going to be, three out of ten, see me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, Julie Bishop, I think. <laughs> Speaking of Channel 9, as we were a little while ago, uh, they've announced that... Julia, Julie, Julia, Julia, Julia Zamiro is going to co-host What a Year with uh, Bert Newton. This was, of course, Mike Munro and Megan Gale. Yep. Uh, last year, this year, it's uh, I'll do anything, Bert and uh, and and <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and uh, Julia. Uh, a couple of years, they're looking at doing seventeen forty-two. Yep. Not much really happened. Uh, Handel's Massar got his first performance and uh, Austria ceded to, to Prussia, apparently. Hang, hang uh, on, hang on. And is, isn't that also... Uh, no, sorry, I'm thinking of 1492. 40, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also looking at doing uh, 69 BC, Birth of Cleopatra. Oh, nice. And uh, they wanted to do 2560 BC, Building of the Pyramids, but they're having a bit of, uh, bit of negotiations about getting the rights to the footage. Right. Uh, now, when's that uh, appearing on our screens? I have no idea. Any, any idea right? <laughs> Sometime. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to when they do 2011, <laughs> the year that uh, the analogue signal finally gets turned <laughs> off in Australia. Now, uh, listeners will know Julie Zamiro from uh, her presenting position on Rockwiz and also as a contestant on It Takes Two. And, um, uh, and also from her presenting position on the Great Australian Barbecue Cook-Off, or so is my understanding of the title of that show. <laughs> sure, uh, or any number of Coles ads. Um, have you heard anything about uh, whether it's an exclusive thing? Is she going to be taken away from Rockwiz? Oh, I doubt it, but I, I, I haven't heard. I... I uh, I, I'm speculating, but I, I would imagine she wouldn't allow herself to sign a contract that would take her away from Rockwiz. I, I would imagine that Channel 9 don't know Rockwiz exists. <laughs> or indeed the entire SBS network, yeah. uh, which is why Sean McCullough's got a job. Uh, uh, no, they, they do have some idea about uh, about SBS because they're, uh, they're, the ripping, they're ripping off uh, uh, that... Mythbusters? No, 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 the show about the... the Jackaroos out in the country okay. and they uh, desperately seeking Sheila. You know that ah. show, Desperately Seeking Sheila, where they tried to set up a whole lot of farmers with yeah. a whole lot of women? Uh, Channel 9 have got their own version of it coming out, which is 
proves that they at least know what SBS is because it's a complete copy. And uh, and also later yeah. on in the year they're gonna they're gonna have Geek FL. <laughs> but maybe maybe somebody completely independently came up with the idea. Could happen. Ross? Well, somebody came up with the idea. It wasn't completely independently. Um, they were watching SBS. Yeah, but they think they're stealing it from another country. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll have to talk directly with uh, Julia Zimero. That, that's a good idea. I'll see, see what I can do see, about that. See if she can clear up this desperately seeking Sheila business. Indeed. Uh, uh, as Australian... Uh, Australian networks are set to divvy up some shows, Foxtel and Channel 10. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have the Fox distribution deal that we talked about about a year back. Uh, they're going to divvy up some shows that uh, we've talked about here. Foxtel are going to be getting the rules for starting over, the Farrelly Brothers comedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 10, oh, they've really got the good end of this stick. They're getting the Kelsey Grammer sitcom, Back to You. About uh, Kelsey Grammer and somebody else hosting a, a TV news show. Okay, but is it Farrelly Brothers in the style of, say, Kingpin? Something about Mary? Or is it Farrelly Brothers in the style of, say... Uh, the, the Big Catch? Shallow Hell. See, I quite like Shallow Hell. What really? I What I didn't like was, I think here it was called The Perfect Catch or something right. like that, uh, based on the, on the novel... Uh, Fever Pitch. Yes. And in the US it was also called Fever Pitch. Mm. What a terrible film that was. I'm hoping it's more the kingpin, something about Mary mm. uh, style, but possibly, you know, I'd even go as far as me, myself and Irene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if, if it's that sort of Farrelly Brothers, I'm so into it. Mm. I, I can't wait. It might even be reason enough for you to get Foxtel Ross. Yes. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Off the back of uh, last week's deal of uh, Fairfax Media and Macquarie Media, I think that's uh, that was the arm of Macquarie that did it. M- um, Macquarie uh, Media. Buying out uh, Southern Cross's uh, radio stations and uh, stuff. Yes. Regional TV network. Um, Fairfax Media have positioned themselves... As a leading contender for one of uh, the upcoming new broadcasting licenses, Channel A and Channel B, uh, David Kirk from Fairfax has singled out the Channel B license. Oh, what a surprise! Which is earmarked for mobile television and other video content distribution, such as online video streaming. Really? They don't want the Channel A one that's lumped with all that other shit well, that they have to. Media industry sources believe Mr. Kirk's stated interest in the B license could be a smokescreen, and that he's actually after the Channel A license, which relates to in-home narrowcasting services. So, so, so what they think his tactic is is quick look over there. (laughs) Yes, yep, that's what they think. That's great. (laughs) Lastly, in the news, uh, and SBS must be so happy to have this game, the one soccer game that everybody has wanted. Couldn't you just hear networks ripping at each other's throats to get the LA Galaxy versus Chelsea soccer game? Oh, yes. LA Galaxy, of course, being the team that David Beckham has gone to. Mm-hmm. Chelsea being the team that won the FA Cup. Uh, they, uh, they're going to go head-to-head. <laughs> so it's Chelsea versus David Beckham. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that's, uh, that's going to air Sunday the 22nd Who's of July. getting paid something like $5 million a game. Yes, some, something like that. Yeah. I, I think uh, Channel 10, though, got the rights to the uh, uh, Galaxy are coming here and playing Sydney. Yes. FC, I think. And uh, I think Channel 10 have got the rights to screen that. 
Uh, but Channel 9 have the rights to the halftime show. <laughs> so is my understanding. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, this is Jess McGuire from Defamer Australia and other malarkey. And you're listening to my favourite podcast, Box Cutters. And joining us now via telephone is the man who has not been mentioned in Who Killed Channel 9, our European correspondent, James Talia. That's uh, probably the nicest thing that's ever been said about. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right because I don't I don't want to take too much of the gloss off my uh, off my own volume. Currently, I'm I'm writing a book called Who Killed Box Cutters. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be snuck into shops overnight before you guys can get your lawyers onto it. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be a cracker. <laughs> what, was it Brett? Well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, James, nothing much has been happening in the world. There's been really nothing for you to cover in the last few weeks. No, it's been fairly quiet. I've spent some time sitting on the beach, <laughs> and uh, it's peak tourist season in London. I've had a couple of people visiting. I've been seeing all the sights again. Get yourself to Westminster Abbey. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I think uh, one of the times we spoke to you recently, you were complaining that you weren't going to get to go to Copenhagen for the christening because you were going to have to do the uh, concert for Diana. Yeah, best laid plans and all. Did uh, can you tell me how the concert worked out? Did they find a cure? I'm not sure they found a cure for Diana-ness, but geez, I wish they'd get onto it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, you've been uh, yeah very busy uh, headlining the news most nights. Well, yeah, um, sadly for all the wrong reasons, of course, but but really that's... Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't want this to be seen as gloating, but I think recent events, I like to think, show why it's still very important to have a news gathering presence in Europe. Yep, because, definitely. Uh, when these things kick off, they really do in a big way. And obviously we're talking about the uh, the attempted bombings here in London and, uh, and in Glasgow. Um, they happen out of the blue. Even though we all expect something like this could happen any time, when they do happen, it's out of the blue. Um, they, things move very, very quickly indeed. And, uh, you know, we were a good 48 hours ahead of the story in terms of being on the ground. That's not to say that 7 and 10 weren't weren't running the story, of course they were. Not just about money. Yeah. And of course, Channel 9 being the only network that had people in, in both London and Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Um, we're we're very proud to still have Queensland covered. Because <laughs> because that you but know, it, it, it wasn't just. I mean, it was the Gold Coast. It wasn't up in Brisbane. Yeah, it was Gold Coast, and right. that and that very quickly became the major part of uh, of reporting this story in in Australia. Was somebody in Australia had some kind of connection to people who had connections to the bombers. That's that's right, and uh, I, I was uh, at my my the, my facility now is is at Sky News here in London. That's where I'm now based. And uh, when whispers about that connection started to come through, their the overnight foreign editor approached me and said, "Do you know anything about this?" And I said, 
no, I don't, but I'll check it out for you because if it's true, I'm going straight home to bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's me done. <laughs> no, obviously that wasn't the case. There was still, I was only kidding. There was still a, a lot of stuff going on in this, at this end that needed to be tied up, but it's obviously going to be the most fascinating thing to Australians that if there's an Australian link to that story. And, and I, I, from what I've seen online and from what I understand, uh, Nine ran very hard at that and, and did very well. But um, just one of those things, especially in an election year, which is always guaranteed to really uh, capture the public interest. Yes. But, yes, and, uh, and I, I did like seeing that uh, the US did not want to be left out of this uh, terrorism thing either and so they got I think it was a bunch of MIT students to recreate the possibility of this uh, bomb blast from a car in a car park somewhere oh it's very numbers isn't it is, is that right I, I, I didn't know that that's fascinating because somewhere along the line that's exactly what uh, the London Metropolitan Police will do as well <laughs> to try and to try and prove what could have happened yes. when, uh, when, they're, uh, when they're putting these guys on trial. Well, well, that's actually what happened to the MIT guys. They set up their experiment and left the car there, but unfortunately got towed away before they could, uh, <laughs> before they could blow it up. <laughs> and it's now in a car park under my yeah, no That's uh, I, That was actually, and I know it's, 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 it's not, the story itself is not funny at all, but in my experience with London's charming and, um, and lazy parking attendants, um, <laughs> neither of which they clearly are. Um, <laughs> the fact that even if you're trying to plant a bomb, you can't stop yourself getting towed away. Really <laughs> ludicrous. Just it, do not take a chance on these parking guys ever. It, it was a fairly. Uh, it, it seemed from from this far away to, to be a fairly incompetent uh, terrorist attack all round. You had one bomb that didn't go off, and I don't know what the two guys were doing at the Glasgow airport, but that didn't seem to work for them either. Well, except that they kind of made their point. Um, but you're right. They're obviously out to inflict as much death and injury as possible. To that extent, they were unsuccessful. Uh, it Certainly, at first, it did look to be highly incompetent. And I guess, by definition, in that the bombs didn't go off, it was incompetent. But it's, it's since emerged that it was, it was really a very close-run thing, that a, a little bit of faulty wiring, apparently, on the... Uh, on the bombs in London is what prevented them going off. But it's it's since been shown through the checking of phone records that mobile phones were intended uh, as detonators for those bombs. And those phones, each of them, the two of them, were called three or four times in the space of five or ten minutes. Um, and that had the wiring been right, that's what would have happened. Yeah, and that would have been um, an absolute disaster, particularly for the uh, the car that wasn't towed away. Well, that's right, exactly. The, the, it was outside a nightclub. There were 500... 500. Further to that, and, and this is starting to sound like a real cliche, and it's true, um, that, that the... James, are, are you on a train by any chance? <laughs> no, why? You, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh really? Just a t- just a tad. Just just dropping in and out a bit. Sorry, you were saying that uh, you were saying last we heard it was outside a nightclub and 
Yeah, but if you take into account, of course, as well, that the aim of terrorism is not just to kill, but to frighten people and disrupt things, then that's mm. certainly the case. Oh, definitely. Getting in and out of airports and flights being cancelled. Yeah, and, and around the world. I mean, the security was tightened incredibly in the US, and, and here we're talking about crazy doctors and everything. I mean, it was it was definitely felt right around the world. That's right. Yeah, it was. It was. But but here in London in particular, and this is, this is, is further to my point about being on the ground here, this incredible feeling of something being afoot. Everyone knows it. Clearly something's wrong. Um, then everyone finds out what it is. And um, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's thinking about it. But everyone is still going about their business and doing what they do, which is quite remarkable. I'm not sure that would happen in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, or, or indeed a lot of other cities. Yeah. No, we, we, we'd probably stay home. And of course, London has a long history of uh, bombs going off. They had uh, they had decades of IRA troubles, um, the, trying to trying to cause stuff in London uh, before any of the Middle Eastern stuff came up. Well, that's right, and I, and I think that's the reason why they they behave as they do. The locals here, and of course, everyone talks about the Blitz as well. Mm-hmm. A, third of the, a third of the East End was wiped out, mm. and and uh, so in the early forties. With that history in mind, how is it reported differently in in London to here? What what attitudes really play out on uh, on TV reporting there? That attitude comes out very strongly, uh, very quickly. I, I noticed that within twenty four hours, we were all, already talking on TV about about uh, staying strong and remaining staunch. And that's what the Prime Minister was saying, the new Prime Minister. He was only only in office for a couple of days when all this kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real feeling of uh, bordering on nationalism that that comes forward in the reporting of, of, of stories like this here. Um, and it's, it's really that thing of, you know, we will not be stopped. People get angry. Um, and And they refuse to be seen to be buckling to this kind of thing and that's that's a, a tone which is woven through all the reporting on tv here of that apart from the you know the usual thing of because these things are so fast moving everyone is competing to break the next big detail you know to to, to find out what they were actually about or what could have happened or where the next bomb is or, or whatever it might be there's that huge element of competition that kicks in it's the same for the newspaper. For a couple of days there, each evening when the next day's papers were coming out, and remember we're talking nine or ten national newspapers, um, the element of detail that was that was being striven for was quite extraordinary. They were running really hard at it. And uh, James, with the uh, with the recent terrorism, sorry, with with the recent uh, not terrorism. What's the word I'm thinking of? Racism. That's what it sounds like. With the recent uh, racism that we've seen on Big Brother in in, uh, in the UK and uh, and you know lots of claims about things like that, how does that affect the way things are reported? Is there a, a little bit more of treading carefully? Um, no, I don't think so, because news organisations are always going to tread carefully about that sort of thing, mainly because news organisations aren't made up of Essex bogans sitting on a couch spouting their opinions. Um in so, in in England, in England, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I guess there's there's the immediate assumption when this happened that uh, until proven otherwise, everyone has it in mind that it, it must be Islamic terrorism of some form. 
um, which obviously was shown to be correct. But there's no there's there's no overt um, Muslim bashing, for want of a better term, that goes on, and everyone was very quick to report um, the comments of the Muslim Council of Britain, which came out a couple of days later denouncing um, denouncing attempted terrorism attacks, and, uh, and and it was all handled pretty even-handedly. Excellent. Well, James, do you want to uh, hang on for a little bit? We're uh, yeah. we're going to go into a ray watch. A ray watch while we've got oh, you on the line because we've, we've gotten very serious. We we have we have. <laughs> oh, so the ray, the ray watch won't change that at all. Uh, maybe light, <laughs> light, Well, we'll lighten the mood with the introduction to ray watch, and uh, and then come back for more seriousness with you. Sure. Done. Thanks, James. Hello and welcome to Today Tonight. Every yes. fucking word. Soap and water. Fuck you. Soap and water. Hello and... Fuck you. I'm Naomi Robson. Swearing. And we're back. We've got James Talia on the line. Poor Naomi. Poor Naomi. Poor Naomi. She's, uh, she, you know, she's she's out of seven. She she's just, out, out she of nine. She just can't take a trick. Really? It's still just Channel 10. Hey, do you reckon in that safari suit, Naomi could start her own Jim's Mowing franchise? <laughs> 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 That's uh, th- that that is looking th- like the way it's going to go. Although she doesn't like getting dirty, so you know, is is her trailer going to be filled with makeup or with mowers? Well, well, there'll be two trailers, and uh, and there'll be her and another person working, and she'll be sitting there supervising from a deck chair. <laughs> As long as she's attired correctly for such duties, it's okay. <laughs> I can't believe you were so surprised last week at the reaction from Nine when asked whether or not we might hire her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it does seem like Channel Nine really might just throw anything they can at the wall and see if it sticks. Within reason. <laughs> Hey, uh, speaking of uh, your wonderful network, I uh, I want to ask you with this Ray Watch. The other day, I think this was uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, Channel Nine News started with an exclusive about uh, with this whole Alan Didac story. Alan Didac is the uh, drunkard footballer who was uh, allegedly in the car with. Uh, with the Melbourne gunman a couple of days before he was shooting people when he was still shooting factories. I think that's uh, in the car with the alleged gunman. Correct. (laughs) Right. Yes. Let's get it right. (laughs) Anyway. uh, He was allegedly in a car with a man now accused of the Melbourne CBD shooting. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, Now, he was, uh, at, at this time, he was being interviewed by police still. And uh, Channel Nine were the only ones who had the story at this point, and I uh, I, I think they kind of wanted to uh, wanted to get a jump on it as best they could. So they did a uh, they did a live and exclusive cross to their reporter outside the police station, and uh, basically the inference of the whole news item was that uh, Didac's career was essentially over. I believe the quote was uh, Alan Didac's career. Uh, as it stands, is currently hanging by the slenderest of threads. And then mm-hmm. at, at the end of the bulletin, uh, no cross back to the reporter, just Peter Hitchener saying, "Ah, oh, and the police have just announced that Alan Didak actually has no case to answer for. Right. Did, uh, did your network jump the gun a bit, do you think, here? Well... Okay, how, how does this sort of thing happen? Okay, well, first, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, 
Of course that would be your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just trying to dodge this bullet. Um, <laughs> oh, no, shit. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> that was really unfortunate. I apologise. I wasn't trying to make a joke. Of, of course um, not. <laughs> uh, now, uh, if, uh, I'm, I'm taking your word for it that, that with, with the greatest of respect, that your quote is word for word correct. Yes. There are obviously um, times when you have, and this is this is a great story. For Melbourne, this is a great story. Right? Yep. Let's make no bones about that. If you've got it on your own, you're going to take the stick to it, you bet, and you're going to have it off the top of your bulletin, and you're going to put exclusive bugs all over it. Yep. Um, uh, there's a fine line, I think, between what we say, very carefully wording things, yep. and to, get, to be technically correct, and the impression that it can still give people, even though it's very carefully worded. Right. Now, I, I think in a case like that, I would have been tempted to say, you know, something along the lines of, with what's going on in this police station behind me, it's not unreasonable to think that Alan Didak's career could be in some serious trouble. Yes. And I don't think that's incorrect. But that, but that wasn't... Really, that's that's not what I got from from the quote. What I got from the quote was, "We can expect to see Alan Didac in jail by this time tomorrow." Right, and with and that's not really to do with his career, is it? That's to do with his life. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, with what you're saying, I mean, Channel Nine over the last couple of years has fallen in love with the with the doing the live crosses. You know, they they cross to everything, uh, whether there's any point to it or not. I mean, a lot of the times at this time of year in the six o'clock bulletin, they're doing live crosses to people who are out. You know, the reporters are outside places standing in the rain, but you can't tell. I mean, they could they they could be anywhere essentially. There's there's no point to them being out there, and I think that uh, when you're doing it live like that, it, it is much harder to get your words right than you would if you got to repeat it over and over again and just did a little bit of grab to camera that wasn't live. Well, that's the other point. Um, and I don't want to make excuses because it's network news and and um, on balance you'd hope that the people that are hired to work in our kind of jobs are capable. Um, but having said that, um, there are... Or, and I, I, I don't know who the reporter was in this instance, I'm not asking. So I don't mean to be impugning any of my colleagues yep. in Melbourne. Yep. But certainly, you know, and we've all done it. There are times when you're going live, um, which can be nerve-wracking at the best of times, depending on the circumstances. Yep. Um, you've got time to fill. Really, essentially, in this story, I'm guessing, you've got a top line to the story, but you've got a minute wor- minute's worth of air time to fill. Yep. And sometimes things can just come out perhaps not as you intended them. You get on a roll and before you know it, you're saying things that aren't quite what yep. you had in mind to say and you're kind of thinking to yourself in your head, no, come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is very interesting that you're saying that, uh, you know, technically you, you want, if, if somebody poured over your words, technically they they would get the right the right meaning, but the inference is, is trying to be something very different. No, I'm not saying the inference is trying to be something very different. I'm saying there's a there's, a, there's a, a, a pitch for accuracy which perhaps we place a lot of store in without realising a lot of the time um, how that is interpreted by the casual viewer. 
because okay. we, you know, we look at these things in so much greater depth than anyone else does. Yep. It's like when we all sit around going, oh, God, look at what Channel 7 did tonight. How could they do that? Look look what they've done wrong. How could they use that shot in, in, in that part of the story? I mean, do you think viewers are looking at it with that kind of depth? Clearly not. But but we all do, and, and we sometimes lose a little bit of perspective. Yeah. Um, have, having said that, there there's, there's, you know, factual accuracy oughtn't be a fine line. You're either accurate or you're not. But the way you present those facts um, can sometimes lead people to believe that we twist things a little, cost a bit. And so, uh, with with uh, the situation of uh, viewership of Channel Seven and Channel Nine, is there any more pressure to uh, to be out there getting these exclusives that uh, hadn't been there in the past? I don't think so. Not, I really not, don't think so. Not even with footy, where uh, where Channel Nine seems desperate to be the football network still, even though they've uh, they have lost the rights to to the games. But I think we were I think we were pretty good at that for all those years when Seven didn't have the rights. You know, our, our news always had the resources, whether it be sport, general news, whatever, to go out and chase a story. Yep. Um, a desire to to be breaking stories was, you know, that's that's what news people have been trying to do for for centuries. Yeah. You know, certainly a good couple of hundred years, um, and and we, I mean that's why we hired a young gun footy reporter from Channel 10 back in the day who seemed to be pretty adept at getting scoops and, and he kicked on a bit. Um, <laughs> and and I know and, I don't think there's any any greater pressure um, than there's ever been for news people to try and get a story first and tell it fastest. No. Well, James, I think that answers uh, all of our Ray Watch questions. Uh, and uh, sorry we didn't lighten it up. Really, all that much? <laughs> I'm here for Ray Watch. How come I didn't get to bag the Christ out of something on TT? <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Next time. What's we'll, going we'll, on? We'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll watch TT studiously and ask your opinion next time on uh, on some garbage. It shouldn't take too long. Then you can <laughs> stick the knife in. Yeah, we absolutely yeah. promise. And then and just Good. to just to throw something in uh, as well. I'll uh, I'll be watching some Channel Ten news as well. So. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Then again, when it comes to bagging Channel 10's news, Mel Walden's generally got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, James. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Who killed Channel 9? Not me. Not me. Ross must be you. <laughs> wow, that was a short segment. <laughs> the book came out uh, about a week and a half ago as, as we speak. came out mm-hmm. uh, Thursday before episode 92, if you want to do the, the maths on that one. That's how we go by Box Cutter's calendar. <laughs> that's, that's how we figure everything out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we don't do dates. No, and uh, and the, uh, the publishers, the fine people at Macmillan... Uh, Rushed this book out to avoid any possible injunctions Channel Nine could have to uh, to stop its release. Mm-hmm. So it was released about two weeks earlier than expected. Mm-hmm. There were no media copies sent out. No one knew what was going on. It hit bookshelves and then ran off the bookshelves. And mm. in fact, uh, in fact, they it had the biggest print run ever for an Australian non-fiction title. I believe so. One hundred thousand books. Really, a massive. Mm. Mm. Which is which is one put- book for every two hundred Australians, and we've got so about six of people. them here. Share it. <laughs> yeah. 
share it. Now, of course, this uh, this tells the story of Channel Nine from the time that Kerry Packer got his kidney transplant, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much to to current day, uh, to to the way it is now, and paints a really sad decline of a once proud network. It does. It, it really uh, really paints a picture of a of a poisonous place to work. Uh, where uh, success and loyalty are, are, are feared and punished rather than being rewarded, as you think would be the, the normal order of things. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've joked a lot about Channel 9 uh, in in the past almost two years on Box Cutters, uh, joked about them having their hair on fire, but nothing really gives you a, a good idea of what we were talking about with Hair on Fire as this book, mm. I found. It really, uh, for me, it... It showed in so much detail and told some stories that I did not know. Mm. Uh, like the, the stories about uh, the guys who uh, came up with the block. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, uh, the the two producers there. David Bubba and uh, Julian Cress. Yes. That, I, I actually found all that stuff to... Uh, I mean, that was that was uh, this alleged story, we should say, because it's, it is very one-sided, the story that he gives in the book. Uh, but, I mean, that, that's upsetting to read. And, and when you read that, it makes you sad and angry just reading these, these passages in the book. And that has actually been uh, part of the excerpts, so you can mention what it detailed. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I don't want to ruin surprise for people. If, if people are reading the book, we, we don't want to spoil it for them. But, but we are going to talk about this for the next ten minutes or so. Mm. Uh, so if you want to skip the podcast through about ten minutes, mm. maybe maybe that will help you out if you if you're halfway through the book. It's. I, I really found it a, a completely fascinating read. It, for me, it was a lot like reading Desperate Networks, a, a book that I did a review of uh, a while back. Yeah, it could easily have been called uh, Desperate Network. This it, book, yes, uh, I did like I did like the way that uh, we did get a glimpse at Channel 7's success during this time and, and why it was a success. Not really that they changed who they were so much more that they just embraced it, which, yeah. which I thought was fascinating. I found that really interesting and a, a little bit of heartwarming in amongst all this bleakness that, mm. that goes on in, in Channel 9. And, and you really do see that. You, you really do see that, uh, that Channel 7 have, have embraced that dagginess, that, that kind of happy to be that, that kind of network that they were scared of being for so long. Well, and, and it's worked for them so well. I mean, that's what Dancing with the Stars is all about. Mm. That's that's what where are they now is all about. Mm. That's what uh, sunrise is all about. Yeah. yeah, and and it works really well. But also the producer of uh, of sunrise, this kid essentially, he was twenty seven at the time, uh, who just said, "This is how we're going to run with it." Mm. Uh, and Channel Seven, of course, being a, a little bit uh, hesitant, mm. th- there was a little bit of resistance there, but not enough to to really stop him doing it. Mm. Whereas counter that with Channel 9. There has been nothing but no from Channel 9 mm. all the way through, it yep. seems. Yep. And in- interestingly, with that things which are so Channel 7 now, like calling them Mel and Koshy. Yes. And, and calling the uh, calling where the studio Brecky Central, uh, Channel 7 executives were furious about. But but now that's that's been a huge success for them. That, that's been um, uh, that was incredibly uh, perceptive of him to 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 call to to have those nicknames and to to position a show like that. Meanwhile, Channel Nine has just been playing catch up the the whole time, and that's mm. that's really evident in the book. One thing that I found uh, surprising for me was that I really 
felt quite emotional and and sympathetic to, towards Kerry Packer, mm. a man I never thought I would feel sympathy for ever. Really? Yeah. Not I, even not even out of the uh, the um, yeah. What do they call him? The the senator Goanna. Oh, the Goanna trials. The Goanna stuff. stuff, But also his uh, testimony there about, uh, of course, everybody should uh, pay the least tax they possibly can because you're not. That's not really sympathy or or empathy. Even that's that's just yeah, good on you. But it was it was a real champion of the people. Oh, sure, it was it it was Mm. a stick it to the moment. But this this to me spoke of a man who was intensely proud in what he did, uh, and it. It turns out that, you know, he was intensely proud in something that I hold very dear, and that's Australian television. And he wanted Channel 9 to be the absolute best. Mm-hmm. Ratings was more important than profit. And he und- and this this is a, an ongoing thing. So, he'd spend money to, to create good TV for good ratings. Yes. Mm. And it, it's an ongoing theme throughout the book mm. that when new management came in, especially when John Alexander came in, uh, he brought in this whole new way of thinking, which was profit was more important than ratings. And it really divided Nine between old Nine, which was seen as bloated and, and completely over the top, and new Nine, which was, uh, was cost-cutting. And, and, and so all the old Nine people were slowly forced out, usually for financial or completely spurious reasons, just, just forced away from the network. But all the new Nine people essentially knew nothing about television. Yeah, because they, they all came from the Bulletin or, or other PBL Print or, or financial backgrounds, yeah. And, uh, uh, and what was also really interesting was, was to see just how Channel 7, like the uh, greatest kind of outside footballers, I, I don't know the, the name of the... Like a rover, essentially, waiting just outside the pack to pick up the crumbs mm. and all these excellent, really well-experienced Channel 9 people go to Channel 7 and, uh, and turn that into, into the powerhouse that it's become. Mm. The, uh, the, the portrayal of uh, John Alexander, particularly uh, nine C, former 9 CEO and PBL executive, uh, is just, he, comes, he just gets a pasting throughout the book. I mean, the book, again, it could be called Desperate Network or it could be called John Alexander Killed Channel 9. Yeah. I mean, he comes off terribly uh, uh, being kind of petty and inept and and incompetent the whole time. Uh, The other thing that I was amazed about, uh, which I wanted to discuss, was uh, the attack on John Lyons. Uh, John Lyons was a print journalist who uh, also became the executive producer of Sunday and he was a Walkley award winner and uh, Stone goes after him like it's a hit doesn't he just like it's, you know like he's trying to like he's trying to whack him or something uh, you know he just he just gets stuck into this particular bit of journalism which won the Walkley and Stone's argument is that should never have even been on television, let alone be an award-winning piece of uh, piece of journalism. And it, it just goes on and on and on. And it kind of fits in contextually just to the whole book, but maybe a page or two. But this is a whole chapter just picking apart this report and just getting stuck into it. It's quite... I, I'm, yeah, I'm, it left me wondering whether there is some kind of... Uh, history or background between the two of them that we don't know i'm I'm sure i'm sure there is some kind of animosity there he he really doesn't 
make any secret of the fact that he doesn't like any of these people mm. who, who have taken over these positions. But also, uh, Sunday was was the the one serious news program on Channel Nine, and, yeah. and for somebody to come in and screw it over, yes. And and for me, I I I was reading this, remembering seeing that article on Sunday, mm. and so so maybe I didn't have the same reaction to you because I, I sat there going, I've been cheated. Because that's what it felt like to me. Reading, reading this chapter, I felt but, like... But there's a couple of chapters about Sunday. One's about the direction he took Sunday, and that's that's fine. But this is about his 2001... Well, you remember reading yeah. that this article about I remember, that. I remember yep. watching that, that article about the NRMA board oh, right. yep. that, that Lyons produced and uh, and thinking today... Because at the time I was thinking, wow, this is, this is fantastic. I mean, the, that answer... And I remember that answer specifically mm-hmm. that... Uh, that uh, he, he refers to in the book. Yep. I remember thinking, wow, that answer, that is journalism. Yep. At the time. And uh, and now reading exactly, because what he does in the book is he goes through and uh, and talks about all the unedited footage that he's seen and talks about how the conversation actually went and then talks about how it's been edited together. And, uh, and reading all of that just really made me feel cheated. Like... Mm. Uh, like you know, I had this this these feelings at a particular time, and and they weren't real. I you know so I know how like Millie Vanilli fans feel. So a bit like <laughs> William Hurd in Broadcast News. Uh, yes, where it was just well, the one it's camera exactly set up like and- William Hurt in Broadcast mm-hmm. News. And in fact, the only real criticism I can I can bring to this book is that uh, he does reference Broadcast News in the book, but written in the text. In other words, network news, and I go well. That's just bad fact-checking. Mm. So whoever's fact-checked this book didn't pick that up. That's the only criticism I have. I really loved it. I thought it was a, a great read. Yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was riveting as well. Uh, just as a, as a sub-point, Jared Stone is a former executive producer of 60 Minutes, so he, he is a nine-person himself. Uh, but uh, as Errol Simper pointed out in The Australian, uh, there could be a parallel tome coming out called uh, Who Killed SBS?, because uh, since 2003, Mr. Stone has been deputy chairman of SBS and has been at the helm with lots of controversial changes, including the more populist approach, which ended up getting rid of David and Margaret, and most recently the introduction of ads. That, that would also be a, a, a very interesting book, although mm. I'm not nowhere near as passionate about uh, SBS as I am about free-to-air yeah. commercial television. Something that uh, was up in the news today that uh, none of us chose to cover was that uh, he was actually very sick as he was uh, yes. completing the first draft of the book yeah. and uh, had septicemia and, and uh, was close to death, apparently. And, 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 um, I and, that, would, and that would have meant that they couldn't have... Fact-checked they it because have fact-checked he had it. all the facts about uh, about who said what, and that that would have been it. <gasps> Nobody no, else had no it. book. So, uh, yeah. and, and apparently there was there was ongoing negotiations with Pam McMillan's uh, legal department about what could go in there and what couldn't. Mm. It's it really is a fascinating read. Now, uh, now in I case did, you've missed it, it's called Who Killed Channel Nine. <laughs> now I did also read somebody saying that uh, if you were a if you weren't that heavily into TV, you might just. You might not enjoy the book so much now. Clearly, the three of us are into TV, and so we love it. But do you think? Do you think uh, it would appeal just to just to the everyday person on the street? You know what? I uh, my, my instant reaction to that is: if you don't like TV, you're dead. <laughs> uh, but clearly, that's that's not the case. I think if you're into finance, if you're into business, 
this is a, a really good, uh, essentially a how-to manual on how to keep your, uh, ha- the best ways to keep your staff happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think you, you can read it as that, as a as managerial material. Uh, it, it's, I couldn't say it's as exciting a ride as some other nonfiction books I've I've read uh, about television. I think you really do need to know a lot of backstory. You need to have been following a lot of it because there, there are a lot of things that Stone talks about, like just references, expects you to know. He does reference the boning incident but doesn't talk about it mm. in full until the, the last chapter. Mm. So, th- there are things like that you would be expected to know. Still, Father's Day is coming up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really loved it. Obviously, if you're listening to Box Cutters, you are interested in television yeah. and I can't recommend it highly enough. Mm. time for the golden age of television that's better golden age of television this week i've got the envelope in my hand last week i ripped it ross oh really i ripped it and it yeah. worked quite well okay i'm gonna go with that again yeah. oh. all right <laughs> but there's all that kind of seal wax seal with the stamp and stuff that mm. i don't know why you wouldn't kind of use use your knife to cut that open if you are because you guys won't let me have a knife after the, <laughs> the incident if you are reading Who Killed Channel 9, which, being a book about television, probably shouldn't have had a question mark, by the way, <laughs> uh, is... Uh, no, no, obviously, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire would have one if Gerald Stone was in charge. Uh, right, right. Uh, he refers to the and golden Australia's age got of... Talent. <laughs> he refers to the golden age of television a lot, but it's a different golden age to the one yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, he, talk, he talks about... Well, he really talks about the golden age of te- Channel 9. Yeah. Yes. Mm. More than uh, more than television. All but, those years that they were still the one. But you mm. you would think you would also think reading that book that Channel Nine was television, and yes. uh, and there were no other networks. I don't even think Ten gets a mention in there at all. No. <laughs> uh, I have opened the envelope, by the way. Yes. This week, show us Arrested Development mm-hmm. and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh mm. well, I, di- I didn't even know Curb was on the list as oh. a possibility. Oh, oh really? Yes. Should it be on the list? Um. I'm I'm the only one here who likes Curb. I you don't judge. No, I don't like Curb. I remember I was going to well. get Ross to sit me down for about five hours, watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, and explain to me why it was good. I assume <laughs> that you have to do that because I've seen a number of episodes and I still can't say that I like it. But really? I, I do persist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, I I love it. I think it's great. I'm not sure it deserves to be in the golden age of television just because it really is a carry-on. So you're the only one that likes it and you don't think it should be in there? I'm I'm not sure it should be in there. I think it's just a carry-on from the genius of Seinfeld. See, and I I don't like it and I think it should be in there. Right. Because uh, because it it did get kind of a a cult status in Australia, definitely. Yes, yes. Uh, It it was the... When when Channel 9 chose to show it, which was... Rare, rarely, and and often at which was another long. reason why I never got a role on it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but also it it did things differently. It's mm-hmm. shot it's shot entirely on uh, low grade digital video. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's got no laugh track. Yes, both of these shows have no laugh track, which I think are, are very important. Mm. Uh, it's largely although the the storylines are very carefully mapped out the the dialogue is improvised mm-hmm. which uh you know I find tedious but is a really interesting way to to make a TV show it's obviously very cheap to make he casts it with all of his friends 
I really think what he did with what Larry David, the the creator, uh, and also star mm-hmm. and very bad actor, did with Curb Your Enthusiasm was uh, really uh, kind of preempt the whole YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he's just making a video with a bunch of his friends <laughs> to amuse himself, and mm-hmm. then getting other people to watch it. Mm. You see, yeah, it, it is. I, I think, and I think it's very influential in that way. I think now, uh, probably uh, our our other one, Arrested Development. Uh, I think Curb was a big influence on that. I think, I think, just this idea that you can do sitcoms in a completely different way. You don't have to do them in front of a studio audience. You, you can you can just have one camera following people around. Handheld. Uh, handheld. I think I, uh, the first episode I saw of Curve Your Enthusiasm, I thought, this is just terrible. It's not funny. Why am I watching this? Exactly. I still uh, think that. But it 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 is... I, th- I think it's just hysterically funny. I think it carries on the the uncomfortable tradition of Seinfeld. Uh, it, it's, uh, socially, he he's like a laser that cuts well, through cuts through society. I well, think I think he just sees things. I don't think there's a lot of difference between Curb Your Enthusiasm and Fat Actress. Really? Honestly, I, 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 haven't I, I haven't seen Fat seen, Actress. I haven't seen so enough very, of Fat Actress. Very, very similar. It's like but her the, in real life. And, yeah. the, th- mm. the thing about, the thing about but, Curb Your Enthusiasm... But I think lots of, lots of comedies have copied Curb Your Enthusiasm, like Fat Actress, like uh, So Notorious. That was, that was another, mm. cl- yeah, another clone, I think. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing about Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, is that it, it does also preempt something that wasn't very big in American comedy until The Office started yep. and that's the cringe value yes Kobe your enthusiasm is entirely about cringe yes uh, as cringe as comedy yes and so I, you know I think it's it's groundbreaking in, in those senses I don't think I, I don't rate it as as a show like I, mm-hmm. I'm not entertained by it but I still think it deserves to be in, in the golden age mm. Arrested Development quite frankly why do we even bother talking about it of course it belongs in there it's one of the most brilliant comedies to come out of the US in the last I can't even think how how many years. Uh, it also takes a, a documentary style to it, but this is a, a more overt documentary style. It's got a voiceover. Uh, first comedy I, I know in a, in a while that's actually had a uh, kind of a, an omniscient narrator, mm. as opposed to say the Wonder Years that had uh, Kevin Arnold as an adult looking back and well, Scrubs with JD. Yeah. And so, I mean, just so jam-fact, full of jokes in a way that has been copied by by lots of people, uh, by lots of shows subsequently. But just those tiny little blink-and-you-miss-them jokes, you know, they weren't afraid to flash forward, flash somewhere else, throw in a reference. Uh, it's just brilliantly done. And also make reference to something and then make reference to it again later in the show which of course if you didn't pick up the first joke you're not going to pick up the second one yes and uh and but, but there, unlike, there were also say, there were in jokes as well yeah uh just, just some some fantastic work but also acting this is this is also where it you know stands far apart from curb your enthusiasm the acting in arrested development just superb yeah really, well, really again, can't be I, think, I think with these shows it does come down to casting uh, if you look at the office brilliantly cast and this it's it's just it's fantastic casting for for arrested uh it does and i'm not trying to upset you here brett it does have that kind of scattergun approach to jokes that people talk about with family guy but it works because the jokes are funny yeah and uh and they're not just and they're not just blanket references they're actually clever thought out very funny 
<laughs> no, it's not. They're just they're, they're very clever, well thought out. A lot of them are great puns. Mm. Uh, plays on people's names. I mean, the the mm. Lucille Lucille was just one of the greatest calls when uh, when when Buster you know goes into into the sea and loses his hand <laughs> because there is a seal loose yeah. in, uh, in in yeah. the ocean. Yeah. It's a loose seal, but his mother's name is also Lucille, yeah, yeah. as was his girlfriend's name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just fantastic things like that. And uh, yeah, it turns out that Job was responsible for yeah for intricate for making that seal. Intricate, uh, amazing bite jokes. Off hand or, or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I always uh, remember the uh, maybe went to a liberal college, liberal school where they they give animal stamps instead of grades. Oh yes. I mean, just just a very funny, very funny joke out of the blue. And then uh, sometime later in that same episode, uh, they say, "Oh, you would say that you got a crocodile for spelling." <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just it, it's just amazingly clever. Superb. So that's uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm and... Fa- uh, I almost said family guy. Bloody hell. <laughs> See what you've done to me now, Brad? <laughs> well, Arrested of- Development does make my banana stand. Nice. And I was going to come. I was going to Before I so rudely interrupted myself, I was going to say both of those available on DVD. You can you can check them out at your leisure. Quotes. Always money in the banana stand. Always. It's just genius. It's absolute genius. Quotes this week come from the eviction episode of Big Brother. Uh, this week's? This week's. Was it just oh. a single eviction? They Mich- got evicted. I, Michelle was evicted. Uh-huh. Who's Michelle? I have no idea. No. She only swore once. She did very well. In fact, I think only about five people around the country know who see, Michelle See, I'm now up to date because we had nothing but free to wear oh. up in Queensland and it, and it almost killed me. No torrents. Uh, go for a swim. Oh, my God. He did. He no, did. No, no, I don't no, want no. him mocking us with that swimming this again. No, no. This is late this at night. At night when they close off the pool. <laughs> and 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 besides, I mean, we do a show about television. Of course, I'm going to watch he's got television. It. He still has to watch television. Yeah, but watching Big Brother isn't watching television. It's not like he's in rural Tasmania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So anyway, Gretel asks Michelle uh, if there's anything she wanted to know about the outside world. Mm-hmm. When asked that, Michelle exploded. Swannies, has Swannies been winning? <laughs> Has Swannies been winning? Someone give that girl a dictionary. <laughs> Where Please. was she from? Clearly. I think she lives in Perth. Oh. No English-speaking nation, is, is no. my understanding, with, with, uh, with phrasing like that. Has Swannies been winning? Mm. Bloody hell, who's in charge of... She was probably excited, and there's lots of people... Like like James was talking about, you you go live and you get a full minute to fill, you never know what might pop out. You're such a Michelle apologist, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hate her, but uh, it's understandable. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Ah, oh, thank God. For what? For the rumours that have come through mm. to us. Oh, there's rumours? There's rumours. There's rumors. What have you heard? Which production company... Now, I'm not going to say, because none of us want to be sued. But which production company has brought a comedian down 
for two tapings of their show, one being taped on a Tuesday night, one being taped on a Thursday night. Brought them down from Sydney to Melbourne, has put them up in a hotel for the Tuesday night and the Thursday night, but because they're not recording anything on the Wednesday night, has not paid for the hotel and is forcing them to pay for it themselves. Don't they fly them back up? No, not in this case. Expected to stay in Melbourne and not have a hotel room paid for them. Mm. What Fantastic. the hell? Yeah, I know. Abs- mm. Absolutely terrible. But it's just a rumour. It's just, it's just a rumour. I guess they could just stay at the studio for all that time. <laughs> they could. They could, and they could yeah. go through that door. But, I, you know, I really, <laughs> I really don't know that they want to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about Pirate Master and how it was premiering on uh, on Channel Ten. Mm-hmm. Brilliant bit of writing there. Whoever wrote that, I think, is back at it again <laughs> uh, this week, advertising the new showing of America's not- Next Top Model. Bling it on! Oh no! Bling it on! Yeah, I what get, happened? I get, yeah, I get and it. I get it. It's I get it because they're Asian. It's bitchin TV. You see how clever that is? Because, oh, because they're bitches. Because, and they bitch a lot. Right. But bitchin' also being slang for uh, fantastic. It's bitchin' TV. This uh, this writer at uh, Channel 10 doing a bang-up job. Yeah, soon they're going to say, we want Mo models. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all have little moustaches. <laughs> Next to uh, M-O apostrophes. Hey, uh, we, we didn't mention uh, EPGs. No! No, we didn't mention the uh, the... The release of, uh, of EPGs into the wild, mm. as was announced last week by the Freedaway Networks. They're going to uh, make available their electronic programming guides for all and sundry to, uh, to use and abuse. Mm. So where does this leave Ice TV? I have no idea. Probably the same position. My, my understanding is that uh, at the time when the suit originally happened, mm-hmm. uh, th- this doesn't work retroactively so right so although there might not be any copyright restrictions on it now there may have been at the time that the suit was brought forth yep so that might still stand that being said i think uh you know any judge worth their salt would and you know i'm clearly the person to be criticizing judges of course uh would go well all right, you don't really value it now, or you can see that there is good value in other people having it. So mm. why are we even bothering about this? Yeah, that's that's the way I would see it. But of course, I'm on Ice TV's side on yes. this, so mm. I can't be on that jury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm far from impartial. Hey, there are there are some whispers that Kate Ritchie may be finishing up at Summer Bay at the end of the year. There had been some questioning about whether she was going to be coming back this year, which I think was where my confusion around Logie's time was with all that. Yeah, I'm sure Uh, that's where it came from. uh, (laughs) I'm sure. I'm pretty sure. uh, Can I ask you a question? Her on-show love interest, Chris Sadrina, has been axed from the show. Hey, Brett. And uh, it looks like a... (laughs) Ask a question, Ross. for her. I tried. uh, I tried. Is Home and Away a guilty pleasure for you? Not at all. Really? Sure? Yep, hate it. I still, sure? I still reckon you're watching it as a guilty pleasure. They had the ads, has Sally Fisher been killed? And you rushed it to the news desk you of did. Boxcutters. 
You did. What? At Logie's time? She, it was back in production. It was I, back on the TV. I think you're I watching little how YouTube far, snippets I know work. how far behind you are with your TV. And around yeah, and Logie's recordings. time... Around Logie's time is when you would have been catching up with January's, January's Home and Away. Or December's Home and Away. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you, Ross. I think we've, I think we've discovered something amazing. Now, um, uh, you two probably don't realise, but uh, the tennis ran into a bit of trouble with uh, inclement weather. During the week, uh, lots of matches. Hewitt took like five days to finish one of his matches. Lots of matches were delayed. Uh, did they finish them all up? As yes, they did. But yep. uh, as a result, the tennis started started in England earlier and earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and was conflicting with other nine shows. And so nine weren't putting it on. Uh, they've copped a bit of flack over missing the first two and a half hours of Leighton Hewitt's last match because they were showing the various footy shows. I know we've talked about this before, and I know other people have mentioned it before, but surely this is the perfect use for a digital stream. Channel 9 has... They they have a commitment to run whatever programs they're meant to be running. The tennis, through no fault of their own, comes on at a different time. Surely on Channel 9 they can show the footy show, and on Channel 9A... They could show the tennis. Yeah, they've got an emergency stream for, for such things. Exactly. Interestingly, Channel 9 is not allowed to do that. However, the ABC are allowed to have a second stream. Uh, that controversial documentary is on Thursday night. Yes. Remind me what it's called. The, uh, the Great Climate Change Swindle. swindle. Yes. Um, simulcast on ABC2. Why the hell are they bothering with that so that nobody ah. if they're watching ABC can avoid it oh that seems very strange exactly that's like with uh, with the footy deal up until uh, the AFL have just sorted this out but uh, in uh, states such as Queensland when they were showing the game on Foxtel the free to air was carrying the same game so Channel 10 would on Saturday night Channel 10 would show the same game as the Foxtel game mm-hmm. so you'd get to see the same game twice but miss out on the on the other game that was being played. Oh, that's just ridiculous. Which which just seems insane. So I'm, I'm not sure why they'd bother to do that. But, um, yeah. Now, last week, Brett, you talked about the uh, the Crumpler uh, competition. Of course, that didn't go ahead uh, no, last week. No, very busy. Uh, he, uh, he, he kept the beanbag for himself. I think that's what's happened. <laughs> I think that's what's happened. That competition will be coming up in the next week or two. It will. I've been doing testing over the week uh, for tracking uh, where people's links are coming from. There'll be a very simple way for you to partake in the competition if you're interested and if you're registered on the blog. And the prize will be a double-seater beanbag from our good friends at Crumpler. Great big beanbag. Room enough for two consenting adults. Mm. Oh. Yes. Bags. <laughs> I bags on the beanbag first with my consenting adult. And neither of you. Do you have one? A consenting adult? Yeah, you tell us nothing. I'll find one. <laughs> You've been saying that for years. I'll... I'll force someone to be consenting if it's the last thing I do. Any uh, willing consenting adults for Josh? Uh, hooray at boxcutters.net. Uh, so thank you very much to Crumpler for that. Also, thank you very much to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. They're very good. They've got a uh, fundraiser in uh, Dub coming up at Carney in Preston. Uh, your head's in the way, Josh, so I can't see the dates. Uh, Friday the 20th of July. 
Um, if you're in Melbourne, get down for that. Uh, DJ Max Crawdaddy's playing and uh, Sister Selector, uh, who's Namila Benson, uh, DJ Yoni Ranking, um, and uh, uh, Nick from Longgrass Sessions. On um, so you can find out more about that at rrr.org.au. I also want to say thanks to James Talia, who called in all the way from the UK to talk to us. We, uh, we asked him to lighten it up a bit this week and look what we end up with. I know! Oh. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Thanks so much for listening to Box Cutters episode 93. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I can and Brett Cropley. <laughs> <laughs> I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for does, listening does, does to she, Does, does she understand how long, how painstaking it is for Josh and I to do the show twice? Because I have to do it once as me and then once as Brett. I know, and then when you go back and do it as Brett, you've got to do all those mistakes. <laughs> it's very hard. We just fix it all in post. You know that. <laughs> Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I think you uh, you did that a little bit too hard there, Ross. And hey, <laughs> let's be careful out there.